This week, our resident chef of account planning is here to talk about the ingredients for effective marketing. We talk about it next. You're listening to The A-Game, an adcom podcast chronicling the week in media, technology, and agency life, featuring Joel Hammond, Jim Ganser, and Jeff Culleton. Welcome to the program. This is Jim Ganser, VP of Media and Acquisition at Adcom. Joining me this week, Mr. Jeff Culleton. What am I? Well, you're the senior account and digital Something. director. So maybe happy senior, to be Maybe there's a senior in there. Jeff is Who a knows? jack of all trades. He's jack. been doing some serious clienting today. So. I've been doing some serious clienting today. Uh, I, you know, I'm a, a, a switchblade. Yeah, you're kind of like a you're kind of like switch that switchblade switch. that's got the comb Ooh, in it, and then you yeah, can just yeah. it's like it's it looks dangerous, but yeah. it's really there's a lot of utility to it. I was gonna go more Swiss Army knife, but I'll okay. Yeah, and we've got a very special guest this week. We've got our senior director of account planning, Charlie Schaefer, in the house. Hey, everybody! Thanks for having me. I don't think I'm very special, though. No, I think you are. Am I very special? Yeah, you get Thank a very you. special head of hair. That makes yeah. me feel good. I do have hair. Well, the thing about it's my only redeemable quality. It's just like hair. The thing about very special is it could be on either end of the spectrum. So like you could be like very special in a good way or very special in like he he needs extra attention. I will say it, this. It could be both. He is very special in a good way. That exactly. That's oh. that's what we wanted to get clarified for the the audience out. You there. know what happens? A very sometimes? curious bookish bunch. As somebody in our uh, in our line of work, uh, when you see surprise and delight, you gravitate towards it. You know who really cooks up surprise and delight? Chuckles over there. <laughs> I, Real good. I, I, I appreciate that. Um, I was called a <clears throat> chef earlier, so I'm glad that we're keeping the cooking metaphors going. I like That's that. That's right. Continuity, That's right. brand Just continuity here, guys. Brain, the, the, the gumbo of a brand. You think Mix we it were up. in advertising. Who knows what those ingredients are? Charlie does. That's right. That's right. Because this week we're talking about the ingredients for effective marketing. And one of the things that I wanted to dive into and get the, the panel's uh, commentary on is AdAge actually worked with uh, a marketing professor at Melbourne Business School named Mark, Mark Ritson. And they commissioned um, a study on what it takes to deliver effective marketing. And what they did is they, they dove into about 50 years worth of data that connects with the EFI Awards and for any of you that aren't familiar with the EFI Awards, they're marketing-specific awards uh, about effective marketing, hence the EFI's name. Mm. See what they did there? Genius. Well, they're marketers. They are marketers. They're marketers, case in point. So they jumped into a bunch of different areas. They synthesized the data. They're still in the process of doing it. But it really boiled down to a singular point, and um, that point is marketers that take a stand that are brave and ap and and basically operate with a bold mindset get disproportionate returns. So some might say, yeah, okay. Seems obvious. Table stakes, right? But really, when you think about the way that marketers traditionally operate, a lot of the marketers we work with and frankly we're marketers ourselves for our own company, you know, a couple of things that came up is you know, if you're going to try to be a little bit brave, you're probably doing more of a disservice than just being conservative completely. So I just wanted to kind of 
talk a little bit to you guys about that. I know, Charlie, you shared it. I thought maybe you can kind of kick us off and give us your, your initial take on, on the article. Yeah, uh, and I think it was uh, – I don't think it was surprising, but I think it's a reminder to marketers. Maybe it's even an article that you would staple together, keep on your desk, and then whenever you are challenged by – uh, an executive that is not in the marketing field kind of just slide it their way. Kind of slide <laughs> it their way. Just a smooth slide. Yeah, just because what what we do see, uh, you know, in marketing and in advertising when we're helping our clients out is that risk mitigation really comes in strong oftentimes. And I understand that. You, you don't really want to alienate people, right? And your first thing that you're thinking to yourself as a business person is, Boy, this could this stand that I'm taking, whatever that stand is, whatever business you're in, is risky. This could make people uncomfortable. And if I make people uncomfortable, I could alienate a single person or maybe even multiple people. And then they will not want to buy my product. They will not want to support me. They will not want to support my brand. Do you think it's a question of longevity? Does a company that is new need to take a stand or stand for something more than a company that is maybe older. And I, when I say older, I mean just has more longevity and therefore- A more has, mature brand. Yeah, has to be more specific to the people that they've served for a long period of time. You, you know, I would, I would have said, five years ago, I would have said, yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. I don't know anymore. We've seen some legacy brands that seem to be on the brink of dying or irrelevancy mm. start to take stands, start to mean in something more than what they just sell. Yeah. And you see them take off. And I think one of, and it's oftentimes not just the marketing, right? But marketing is the big push. It's the forefront to launch this new idea that they've maybe revamped their products. Mm -hmm. Maybe they've changed their offerings a little bit. We saw this with Levi's. I think Levi's, it's probably been about 10 years for Levi's on this upward trend that they've had from a almost obscure brand. They were, in America at least, they were delving there, into it, obscurity. It was a J.C. Pe Penny brand. Yeah. For were. all intents and purposes, it was a it was a bottom shelf. Yeah. Yeah. It was, you know, I need a pair of $12 jeans on sale. Mm -hmm. And they went to really become something a little bit more culturally iconic. They went back to their original branding efforts, but they they also kind of revolutionized the way they went to market. They focused on influencers. They focused on the digital consumer. Uh, they focused on full funnel activation. And they've, they, they really do take a stand when it comes to who they are, who their consumer is. And they do tend to focus on the youth market a little bit more. And that's never a bad thing because when you focus on youth, you tend to pick up older adults. When you focus on older adults, you rarely ever pick up youth. This is this is something that I think is pretty interesting because I don't think Levi Levi's takes a stance that is charged. They they go back to who they were in the beginning. It, one of the I look at this in a kind of a, a lens between them and maybe somebody like a Patagonia who takes a stance that is polarizing, that is um, very very specific to a you know, political issue or a, you know, a, a, an issue that resonates with a lot of people. And it, just interesting, do you think, you know, is there, is there a better way? Do you, do you think it's better for a brand to 
know who they are and double down on that? Or do you think it's better for a brand to take an active stance in a way that's outside of themselves, maybe tangentially, because you know what uh, Patagonia is doing is environment, you wear our clothes in the environment, therefore we are about the environment. I, I think that there, you should never take a stand outside of who you are from your DNA. Yep. I think you made a, a very good point there with Patagonia, and Patagonia does take a lot of risks. They do. They are, but it almost always pays off for them because they're true to who they are from their DNA standpoint. Because they're true to who they are from their DNA standpoint from the top. Yep, from the top. Because down. that is a that is a top of the pyramid thing. That isn't a marketing led. We're going to be edgy thing. That is a this is who I feel like we are from the people who can't get fired. Well, and you you can't tell me that when you're in a boardroom with the C-suite and the executives and the vice presidents. And they're talking about maybe not taking bulk orders from tech companies or financial companies anymore for particular pieces of mm -hmm. clothing. That is not a tumultuous conversation that is happening. I guarantee they're weighing every single pro and con. And at the end of the day, they're just saying it does not feel right from our DNA perspective. We've laid out all the cases here and we feel like this fits into who we are, what our mission is how we want to move forward as a brand. And we actually believe by not doing this, it is going to make people that relate to our brand love us that much more. And it did. Um, Completely I mean, agree. It, it does. But then, again, I wouldn't say, like, if you're Levi's, I wouldn't say, hey, take the same stand. Yeah. Like, it doesn't make sense for you to necessarily do that right now. That's not the DNA that you were built on. Yeah. All I right. wouldn't say, hey, don't don't go for American auto workers anymore. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to break this down a little bit. So what I'm hearing here is when a brand understands who they are and they are very clear about their core values, it puts them in a position to be able to take risks that are measured. Is that, am I hearing that correctly? Or is it just give them the roadmap for how do you go big? That That's a, I'm going to punt to you on that because the measured piece of it changes my because how brave are you if you're doing the if you're playing from your playbook? The measured to me feels like it's a it's a saying something is measured makes it feel like it's a tactic versus a we don't we're I'm, we're going to take the stand because this is who we are knowing that there could be negative repercussions knowing that hey, maybe in the long term there's positive repercussions but the measured to me makes it sound like a tactic. Yeah, and I think that's a that's a fair point. Um I don't know. <laughs> I, I wish I could say emphatically, like, is it better to do one or the other? I think it is better to be bold, but I think you can be bold in a measured fashion. And measured doesn't mean you're not bold with your messaging. It doesn't mean that that key insight that you have that carries your brand from a consumer-facing lens isn't bold and strong. But I think the talks in the back room to get to that point, to make that decision, are always pretty measured to get there. And I think that as marketers, if we're leading our clients through those situations, we have to be impassioned but measured as we're doing it. We have to have facts to back up points. And we always have to point them back to where they believe their true North Star is for their organization. Because sometimes it gets lost from a million other pressures that have nothing to do with what we're talking about in the moment. 
I was in a great conversation today about we were talking about um, media for a client we're uh, we're we're talking to right now, and it was uh, it turned into a math problem, and there's something intrinsically really amazing to me about turning this abstract concept to most people into a math problem of if you want to get here, here's the things that we have to do. Problem solving. It's just literally At just- At its core, it's mathematics. Just problem yeah. solving. And that is, um, you know, that kind of smacks in the face. That's a very, very um, tactical way to approach a problem. And when you're true to who you are as a brand, you you don't have to do the numbers. It's less of a numbers and equation game as much as it is an internal kind of feeling game. Now, granted, that comes down to a very small group of people who can feel that and make that decision. But it's the art and science. I think the art and science is what still makes what we do cool is we have more chance to create science and make math problems out of a media plan, but you still have the ability to say this imagery or this messaging is going to make somebody feel a certain way that's going to be positive towards our brand. I think that's a, that's a fantastic point. Thanks, um, Charlie. Yeah, you're very welcome, Jeff. Thanks, man. Uh, you know, our, our brand planner, uh, Lee Norris, who's a super creative guy, he takes that approach uh, almost mathematical to get to his crazy creative thoughts. He has great crazy creative thoughts, but he always starts in the same mathematical place. Number one, I have to do this. Number 10, I have to end here what's the steps, you know, two through nine to get there. Yeah. And that's going to lead me to some, you know, insight, some brilliant creative twist that we haven't thought of before. But I have to have that system at least lined out for, for knowing where I'm starting and where I want to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that if you, you know, again, most executives that we're in the room with, most marketing, you know, gurus that we talk to, um, they they think in this way and they think in this way intrinsically in their gut. Yeah. Right. So when you're saying like they kind of feel it out in the room, I think that's just the experience. Right. They did the one to ten for three to five years in their early career or maybe even 10, 20 years in their early career. They've just gotten so used to doing that that now they understand who their brand is truly. And they can do that math really muscle quickly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I'm envious of those people because it doesn't come. No, it doesn't man, come that, that easily always. Nope. That's not easy stuff. Man, you got a you got a face like you're about to drop out. Right. Jim doesn't just, agree with us on this at all. He's I've, like, I've no. got to share this. I got to share this, and it's off topic, and I apologize. Okay, is it but this is this is a glimpse into you talk about consumer insights. Yeah, human insights, human truths. This is a truth. I just got this uh, text message. It's I'll read hot, it to it's you. It's a hot okay? take. This is going to say a lot about me. I'm I'm putting it out there. Vulnerable. This is from my wife. call me Alex just peed into a basket full of clean clothes and then Monty poured water on top of it so how is a phone call going to resolve any of those issues it's not it's not no it's not no but this is the truth that that is uh you know we are not just media mavens folks we are real people with real problems (laughs) And that's what makes what's the, what's the lead? Up? Yeah, what's the lead up to Alex's poop? 
<laughs> is it I gotta go or I'm about to prove a point? About no, it's a power move. It's a power move. He didn't uh, like this. Did he not like the scent of the detergent? Were they fo- were they were they folded? Because uh, if they were folded, that's the ultimate. Oh, that's not horrible. in my house. <laughs> not in my house. They're not. That is. Right, so you'd expect that from a cat. <laughs> like I can see that from a cat. Alex is basically uh, an angry cat. Alex yes. is a leader of men. <laughs> good. Really. Unfortunately, I'm being led by everyone. Yeah. Oh, um, that's good. <laughs> but getting back to the topic, I thought we'd just do a little uh, break. And uh, I just wanted to let everybody know why I was distracted for break, a moment. Breaking news. Bre- breaking news. <laughs> breaking news from the Ganser household. Um, so I think we would all agree that we are believers in research when it comes to marketing, correct? Yes. Okay. Like we all are deep I have in it. to be. You have to be. You have to be. Here's something interesting that came out of the uh, effective marketing study. When they looked at the 6,000 winning submissions of FU Awards over 50 years, the commonality was those that went too deep into research performed the worst. In their creative? In, in the overall submissions, in, in terms of how effective the marketing was. It's not that you don't use research. It's that you don't lead with it there's a specific amount that you want to go to. It's like, don't overthink it. Hmm. Use enough to just make a decision and go with it. So if you get into the analysis paralysis situation, it actually affects the effectiveness of your marketing. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, so as much as I said I believe in research, I'm going to contradict myself instantly. Almost immediately. Instantly. Does not believe in research Almost at all. Don't. Research no is worthless. Research don't is do it at all. Fugazi. No, look, you, the, the importance is <laughs> you got a laugh from the back room there. That's a, that's a <laughs> this winner. Is, this is the best episode that, is a that we've winner. ever had. Hot take. Yeah. Hot take. <laughs> no, I, I think that like it's a, it's a solid point that you can overanalyze anything. So if you're, you know, if you have solid initial audience insights and research completed, the idea of continuing to boil that down further and further, what you're going to end up doing is erode any ability to create good ads. You're going to lose your ability to think creatively because you're going to pigeonhole yourself into a solution that one specific consumer set gave you when you boiled it all the way down to that pinpoint accuracy. Mm-hmm. Copy testing can do this. Um, I mean, I, I have seen this when, you know, you do like Nielsen tests um, big copy tests for TV spots. You do see erosion of good ideas based on some of the outputs of it. You see a lot of um, slightly homogenization of how you should structure ads because they perform the best. I'm doing air quotes. You can't see this right now. That's worthless. I got it. Um, Yeah, thank you very much, guys. I appreciate it. but there is homogenization there and you know you'll get a lot of comments back from people that are conducting this research to the extent of you know make sure your brand logo comes on up front make sure that you leave your ringer on your phone constantly no 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 that was on the computer no. oh gotcha that's on our mixer um, I just initially blamed, blamed Jeff for that. I yeah, just you did. I, I kind of like, did. Your judgy like, eyes. Oh. Well, because you did instantly reach for your phone like, well, oh, like, oh, crap. Yeah, true. I, I left true. that on. It's true. It's a habit. Yeah. And we know you were climbing the crap out of people earlier. Yeah. You were just it was so, serious clienting. It. Yes. Very good clienting. Can I can I talk? Yeah. Can I talk now? Yeah. 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 The I Wait. Th- just kidding. No. Uh I think what when you see great marketing, 
great marketing is turning research into emotion, is being able to look through research to see the human moment in anything. You know, Apple's always been great at this is I give you every, you know, every 11 months, I give you a new camera and that new camera has X amount of specs on it and it is sharper and it is wider and it can, you know, freeze a background and give you this amazing portrait mode and all that kind of stuff. But nobody cares about the specs in their marketing. People care about what the specs can do. People care about taking a picture of their child in a park that's running in perfect clarity so they can remember the moment. The research is only, the research is good in the room as a rationale as to why we're going to do something. But the research is really powerful when you can read through it and say, the moment that this research proves is X, and then articulate that visually in whatever capacity you're going to. Th that to me is the the extension where, where you know, good researchers become great marketers is when they can see what the research says and how that research uh, talks to an end result. Yeah, and I, I think using the Apple example that you're given, um, you know, their newest campaign, you know, the one they show the dog and yep. blowing hair, it's fantastic looking. It's a fantastic looking campaign. Benefits get across very clearly. Uh, a lot of crave-worthy looks of the technology itself. Mm -hmm. um, but they're not, they didn't go down the research hole to find out hey, like we want to use this type of dog in this ad. Mm. I, I guarantee they looked at dogs. I guarantee a creative mind had dogs. That dog's hair is going to blow in the... Yeah, they were the, like, yeah. we, we, we have it down, narrowed down to 10 dogs. And they, didn't, they probably didn't trumpet all of these dogs around to 17 focus groups and say, hey, do you like this dog? But now we're going to bring out different types of this same dog just with different personalities and see how you like them. You would you would just waste time and you would probably end up with a dog you didn't like at the end of the day. They just made everybody happy. Air quotes again, not there. Uh, I don't usually do air quotes either, but I'm all over them right it. now. But um, yeah, I, I think it it's it's something that when you make everybody happy, oftentimes you're just finding that middle road that no one really cares about. All right, quiz question for Jeff. Oof. This was this is for two pizzas, okay? Two pizzas. For two pizzas in the spirit of Apple, and we're talking about the technology company, not the de the delicious fruit. Oof. Very Honey refreshing. Honeycrisp. Honeycrisp all the way. Um, anyhow, quiz question. Quiz question. You ready? Mm -hmm. When it comes to effective marketing, what's more important, to be different or distinct? Distinct. Incorrect. It's actually being different. Damn it. Those yeah. that are positioned as different performed better according to the, the research. Son of a gun. So that comes all the way back around on Apple, who originally said, think different. I got to tell you, I was already eating those pizzas. Boom. It's already eating those pizzas. Distinct pizzas. Distinct. Not different pizzas. Pizzas. Yeah. Can you... Can Distinct. You... I'm not even going to get into it. I just... That's going to be semantics. Go ahead. I lost. No, it's okay. Thanks, man. Because the, the listener wins. How about and, one... And boy, are they winning this week. How about one pizza? Uh, one pizza? Yeah. How about we share a pizza? I'll share a pizza with you any day. Okay. Can you, can you, let's break that down a little bit more though, just for a second. Yes. If you were to explain the difference of a distinct pizza. ad versus Wait. a different ad to a client, how would you explain it? I think when you say that distinct is we're 
varying flavors of the same features and benefits. When you're different, you're talking a whole different ballgame. Somebody's talking features and benefits. Somebody's talking emotion. That's a guess. But it felt like a good one. No, no, I think I think you're right. And I think when you look at, you know, brand planning, strategic planning from a high level, you t- tend to bucket brands and the way they go to market in three kind of simple ways. It's it's always very easy to do. I think you have your badge brands. This is like your BMW. You're showing something off. Yeah. You're part of a club. Um, no, no, sorry. Not part of a club. Part of a status. Yeah. You have your club brands. That's the apples of the world. Mm-hmm. You know, Got to have the thing. Yeah, and you're part of a club. By having Apple, you're not just, I don't just have the computer, I have the phone. I don't just have the phone, I have the earbuds. I don't just have the earbuds, I have, you know, Apple TV. Yeah, unlike Jim, who only uses, like, I don't even know what kind of products. It's amazing to even make cases for him. Are, are you one of those people when I text, I would get a green bubble back from? <laughs> yep. Oh, I don't walk no. around in your shoes, Charlie. <laughs> I'm sorry, the third. Oh, the third is rational, your your unique selling proposition. Mm. And the, I think you're seeing a lot of companies, you know, it's a, an easy default. What can we say about ourselves that no one else can say about, about the marketplace or the product that we offer? And oftentimes there's not a lot. Mm-hmm. There's Or what you have there ends up being very thin. Like we're the most handsome advertising agency marketing and communications firm in Cleveland, Ohio, and the Midwest. Yes. I would I would say that's an accurate statement. I would also agree. Yeah. I would self-select myself in that. Mm-hmm. You see, but the problem there is is you're talking about being distinct as opposed to being Not different. different. Because different. you're saying that there are shared attributes, there are similarities, mm-hmm. but we're just slightly distinct in that we happen to be beautiful beautiful people (laughs) versus different. And I'm not talking about like on the inside, I'm talking on the outside, like, like stunning, beautiful people, sheer aesthetics. Instead of saying we're, you know, marketing aliens from outer space. Now, if we were the agency that said, Oh, we're adcom, we are a marketing communications company that um, serves a variety of clients, but we do not use PowerPoint. We will never show you a deck different that's not true by the way but that's a way to say we, that's what I, I like that idea a lot it's, it's a like great idea. we will like never that. make you sit through a presentation in powerpoint we're at com it's all interpretive dance yeah i i'd actually be behind that too me too that's Fantastic a good goal right that's here. a good call yeah. that is different that is <laughs> that works right that is different i think maybe the a game podcast needs to be videoed for an interpretive dance at some point in time it's been talked about I think I think you guys would be good at that. It's been talked about. Well, it's been talked about just with our eyes, mm-hmm. but we all see it. Yeah, there's a telepathy. Well, Joel has choreography, choreography notes. I can't speak choreography. Is that the Chore- right? No, you did it. Choreography, calligraphy, notes. calligraphy, calligraphy mm-hmm. notes. Different, no, different he, thing. I, I've seen it like mapped out in his office. He has like storyboards with like you doing the sunshine pose and then opening oh, yeah. and. So it seems like you guys are working on it's it. Am very, I spoiling things no, for the very, audience? It's a very aspirational view of who we're going to be. Yeah. Oh, gotcha. I mean, when Charlie, you, who you're going to be. Oh, I get to be in the interpretive uh-huh. dance? You do. Yeah. Nice. That's interpretive, a, interpretive dances work better when you're stunningly beautiful. 
mm-hmm. which we are. Yeah. So take that inside and out. Miss McNulty, my outside. kindergarten teacher that would not let me be in the dance troupe. <sighs> She's yeah, the worst. horrible person. Take that, publicist. She's the yeah. worst. Yeah. yeah. What can what can publicists do about that? Uh, not be as aesthetically attractive as yeah. we are. I don't know. They're no. pretty good. They are. They're pretty good. They are. Hey, uh, but I, I do have a question. I know this is a little bit off topic, but um, it was brought up by the group, and I I have to ask your your opinions on it because I thought it was. I I always feel a little, little disheartening when I hear these things, but um, you know it's advertising week. Mm-hmm. There was a a quote by Joanna Coles, who was referenced, and I know uh, this can be bleeped out too if it needs to be, but. Um, Michael? People hate <laughs> advertising. They f- hate it. And it's all advertising's fault. That is the quote from Joanna Coles, who works on a new platform called Boudica for Women in the Corporate World. She comes from Hearst. She has been involved in the marketing and advertising community for a while. I wish I knew the context behind how she was saying this. I hope that like the redeemable part of it afterwards was but they shouldn't feel that way. Mm, I didn't get the sense that that it came around the mountain on that one. I didn't either. How how do you guys feel about that? I mean, not the statement in general. Obviously, we all work in in advertising and marketing communications, but um, it's it's despondent to me when people in the industry talk about our business in that manner. And I I think that um, I actually think that people don't, People might feel that way, but sometimes, I, I do understand sometimes, sometimes we all feel that way. I mean, I've watched Facebook videos and been interrupted halfway through and thrown my computer across the room. <laughs> I'm a human being. That happens. Even um, though that video, even though that commercial is going to be super short, I could have been, you can't even handle it. I could have been involved in making that spot oh. and thrown my computer across the room because I was like, I was trying to listen to this person tell me something. Oh, I was watching this dad come back from you know, overseas to surprise his children, and what happened? I get interrupted by an ad. Oh, well, that's that's much more uh, highbrow. I was just watching a tasty video, Ooh. so it was just like I wanted to know what that next ingredients were to make that perfect cornbread muffin, mm-hmm. and uh, then uh, they tried to sell me something, and I was very angry. But but the flip side of that is, how many things have you? I mean, how many products have you been introduced to through advertising that have not only, you know, been interesting to you, but maybe even benefited and changed your life in, in a good way. And I think I've I've had a lot of those instances in my life. I mean, throughout life, I social media was advertised to me when I was young in, in the form of MySpace uh, through a sticker that I saw on a wall in New York. So that's a, a piece of advertisement. And I know people like to hate on MySpace. It was the greatest social networking platform of all time. Mm. I mean, Tom. Shout out to Tom. Tom. This is probably the first time Tom's been uh, mentioned in a recording in 10 minutes. Probably. Probably. Here's my hot take on on that that quote. Um, I think it says more about her than it does about advertising. I agree. And I also think we don't live in a world of absolutes. And I think Charlie is kind of... uh, using this example that he's laid out for us and it hits right on it. They say a bad apple spoils a bunch. What about, bunch. what about 500 bad apples? Give it one more try before you give up on love. 
Yeah, so that was a quote from Lean On Me, one of the greatest movies, and <laughs> something that is on Charlie's watch list for I, I the weekend. I have not seen it, and I oh. have gotten tremendous amounts of grief Morgan from Freeman it. is going to rivet your soul. Yeah. Uh, you, I mean, I can't believe I haven't seen a Morgan Freeman film. I feel like I've seen most of his films. Oh, this is It's not just a Morgan Freeman you film. You haven't seen any of his films. It is if also a Robert Guillaume film. Oof. Oh. <laughs> TV's Benson. <laughs> TV's Benson. So, <laughs> no, I guarantee that was the first time he was mentioned on a podcast in the last ten minutes. And it's a damn travesty. Yeah, it is. It is. It is a it damn. Is. This is not safe for work uh, uh, version of the A game this week. You're getting it all. You are getting it all. It's the full Monty of the A game. It's the I, full Monty. I did ask if I could swear a little bit. It's okay. Sorry, I think you've done. I think, I'm okay. I think you've been appropriate. You're uh, a guest. Okay, that's You're good. I thought maybe house. I did irreparable damage to no, your. You've to been your, appropriate. Um, that's good. In the in the spirit of advertising week quotes, I've got one that I want to run past Jeff. I'd love to get your take on this. And and this one is from uh, David Heath, who's the CEO of Bombas, the sock company. <sighs> That's a good sock. Okay. That's a good sock. So he says when it comes to launching a brand, an early stage company or brand should be 100% performance marketing. And he wouldn't risk early capital on stuff like brand marketing. How do you feel about that? And I'd love to get Charlie's take on it too, because I know Charlie's a big believer in brand as well. I think I think that's kind of a misnomer because he's so close to the early brand that that's all they have. They don't have years of kind of other things to piece through to find their true north. Um, yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, if you especially if you have investors, the performance marketing side of things is an essential part of of proving uh, the long term viability of the business. But the any brand that makes it, you don't you don't make it because you just really faked it well off the bat. And in fact, Bombas is all about product quality. It's all about specific fit and product quality. That's the brand. I think it's. I think he's he's glossing over the fact that all of those pieces are there and they come through in their marketing. In that particular statement, because yeah, it, it, the performance marketing, yes, it, it needs to be the focus from a marketing lens. But you don't go to market and differentiate yourself in something like socks, a commodity, without a definitive true north of your brand and you know so I, I i think that's i think it's kind of a misnomer the way he's saying it um because you can't be all product marketing unless you have a true north in your brand yeah and and go back to what we were talking about the difference between being distinct and different <sighs> this is a company that not only has a a, a social north star mm -hmm. that they have um but they also tout the fact that they're basically a seamless sock mm -hmm. it's like disproportionate comfort like we all deal with seams you know that people hate stupid seams. seam in the front of my sock mm -hmm. hate it Oof. hate it so you I know what I, I could really go I don't for wear them. I could go for something different and so, Bombas makes a solid sock they do they do and guess what they're about to be advertising on television but Charlie how do you feel about a CEO coming out and saying we don't want to start upper funnel when we're launching a brand yeah so I I've, this is not the first time I've I've heard this, um, and uh, actually Tim Ferriss, uh, guru man, uh, says this a lot, uh, especially to people that are seeking capital uh, for startups. 
I, I, I get what he's saying in, in a sense. I think through performance marketing, you can often help find what's going to differentiate your brand in a long run while still doing marketing as opposed to doing a lot of research to get to that point. And when you're cash strapped early on, it yeah. can be tremendously helpful. And it's really, I think, you know, there was a, another quote from um, the uh, the ad advertising week stuff that was basically boiled down to the fact that it's much easier to have a five to $10 million brand now than it ever was before. And I think a lot of that is because advertising is more accessible than ever before. So again, not dealing in any kind of absolutes, brand is all important, but using performance marketing to establish your brand or to figure out what's going to work for your brand early in your consumer life cycle, not necessarily a bad strategy if you have low dollars. You heard it here first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, done Good and stuff. done. Good stuff. So I, you know, I know that everybody's been very engaged in the conversation today, mm-hmm. and, and the listeners, all the ear candy that they've had—they're the benefactors. I know. I mean, you might need to go to the dentist with all this ear candy. Speaking of dentists, I've got a dental appointment tomorrow for a cleaning. I had mine yesterday. Why stop sharing about my personal life now, right? Yeah. But if you want to get at the A game and you want to, you know, tweet at us, you know how to find us, right? It's at the A game podcast Twitter handle. Or if you just want to hit up the Adcom group, it's at the Adcom group. Jeff, where can they find us um, through their earbuds? Oof, God, I mean, you know, the places you would think iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, those places. Yeah. I just, yeah, I kind of drew a blank at the end there. So, but all of the normal places and soon to be iHeartRadio. Absolutely. That's going to be- That's the latest and greatest. Michael, that's, that. yeah, that's on the list right now. So all the places you would go to consume just highly dynamic audio content in podcast form, we gonna be there. Okay. Last, last question for the panel, and it's a quickie. Briefs. Wait, what? Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> if digital marketing- was one of the Brady Bunch children, what would it be and why? We've got six options here for anyone scoring at home. Mm-hmm. You've got Greg, mm-hmm. you've got Peter, you've got Bobby, you've got Marsha, you've got Jan, and you've got Cindy. Which one? I'm in a real Greg Marsha fight right here. You know, it's, it's, it's starting to mature as they were on the show. It's also probably the most flaunted, so it's out there. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go Marsha. Um, Sands getting hit in the face by a football. Ooh. Ooh. Charlie. It, it's Marsha, but it does get hit in the face with a football every Ooh, now and then. Never mind. Every yeah. now and then. That's, I got to tell you. But, yeah. That's a good hot take, even though I think you stole the first 80% of the answer. Those those well, are... I, I don't know the Brady Bunch well enough to give another answer to it. So, yeah, neither uh, do I. Yeah. Well, you're both wrong because it's Peter Brady, because it's ever changing and it's changing so much that when it's time to change, you get to rearrange who you are into what you want to be. Wow. Shut it on and on. It's true because you got the changing, changing voice. It's ever changing, ever changing. That was the most amazing oh, thing I've heard today. And on that note. On that note, why don't you tune in next week where we tap back into what's the latest and greatest in media marketing technology, where the takes are hot. And they're coming in candid. And you're welcome for that. Take us out, Michael. 